Today's reading is Ruth, chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Marlon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Marlon and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness, as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, Your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realised that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. This is the word of the Lord. The book of Ruth is uh, a little gem in the middle of the Old Testament. It is such a a marvellous book. 
mainly because when we read Matthew and realize the genealogy of Jesus, we see the connection all the way back to Ruth and to Boaz. And that sense of Ruth the foreigner being part of the family tree of Jesus is so important in understanding the ministry that Jesus came to fulfill, that God, the Father of all, is for Jews and Gentiles alike. And so it's a a really important book because of that aspect of it linking with the family tree of Jesus and linking with the ministry of what he came to do. And it's a lovely story of two women in particular. It starts with a whole family. And this first chapter I I find desperately sad. And as I was reading it this week, it is so sad, isn't it? The sadness just comes through it. And at the end of the chapter, even, even having returned to her own people, Naomi is still unable to see any good in her life and says, call me Mara, call me bitter, because I went away full and I have returned empty. Desperately sad. But it's also a story of loyalty and of care. And we look to Ruth as a little bit of an example of somebody who comes alongside her mother-in-law and is loyal Loyal to the point of being willing to, to leave her homeland and to go back with her mother-in-law, who openly admits that she's quite bitter at the moment, so it can't be a very pleasant experience for her, but willing to go to a land that she will be the foreigner in because she feels so responsible and wants to care for and loves her mother-in-law, all those different aspects that come into this. A true example of loyalty of the loving daughter-in-law supporting her mother-in-law through this really sad time. Loyalty and care. And as we read this book, I wonder who you identify with. Probably if you're male, it's hard to identify with either Ruth or Naomi. But who do we identify with in it? Who do we feel that we need to be like? And I read it and feel I always need to be like Ruth, the one who will put aside my own needs, my own sadness, in order to be there for somebody else. That my responsibility as a Christian is to be there, to care, to be loyal, and absolutely it is. And it's very easy to always identify with Ruth. It's harder to identify with Naomi because Naomi is the one who needs to be cared for. She's the one that is deeply sad and it's affecting all her life. And she's the one that's openly acknowledging that her life feels in ruins. And even though she's not asking for help, she really values that support that comes alongside her. I find it much harder to identify with Naomi because I don't like to acknowledge that I'm sometimes the one in need. How much easier to be the one who reaches out and helps and supports and comes alongside than to be the one that asks for help. It's very difficult to acknowledge our vulnerability. We've talked about this over the last few weeks and it seems to come back again and I do think God is saying something to us. That sense of being able to acknowledge our vulnerability to one another, 
but also to come before God and to acknowledge our vulnerability and our need for him. And we can learn as much from Naomi as we can from Ruth. I was um, led on to thinking about this. Um, a month or so ago, I went to a, Bible, um, a clergy Bible study day, and Sam Wells was speaking at it. Sam Wells is the husband of Bishop Joe, and he um, is a theologian in his own right and has written many, many books. And he's written a lot about the Good Samaritan story. And the themes that I've just talked about in the book of Ruth, we can see in the Good Samaritan. I just want to quote some of the things he said in a sermon that he preached in 2010. He says, when you take a first look at the parable of the Good Samaritan, you think it's very much social action territory. Here's a story about a man who's in trouble through no fault of his own. The priest is so taken up with keeping his nose clean and avoiding ritual impurity that he shows the dying man no compassion at all. The Levite does no better. For the Christian committed to judge faith by deeds, the priest and Levite represent a caricature of head-in-the-air piety, concerned only with their own well-being and eternal salvation, while meanwhile remaining heartless towards the suffering of the world. When the Samaritan comes along, the social action Christian says, Aha, this is me. When Jesus says, Go and do likewise, the social action Christian beams all over like a third grader turning to face their classmates when the teacher informs them during show and tell that theirs is the most loved teddy bear of all. We feel good. Yes, we are the good Samaritan. We are the Ruth who comes alongside. But we're not the Samaritan, says Samuels. We're the man by the side of the road. We're the one who is stripped, we're the one who's bruised, we're the one who's half dead. This is how we begin to reflect on questions of compassion <coughs> and good deeds and social justice. We are the needy ones. We long for relationship, we long for forgiveness, we long for reconciliation, we long for eternal life. And we'd be happy to accept these things from the priest or the Levite. These are people who seem like ourselves, people from our own social background. They have security, they have social esteem, they have resources. But the story is telling us that those people can't always help us. They can't always give us what we so desperately need. And yet sometimes the answer to our problems is miraculously ambling down the road towards us. But hold on. This person is the very last person we could imagine being any help to us. This person's a stranger, an enemy. He's more offensive to us than the robbers who've just stripped us and left us half dead. This is a person we assume is out to get us. This is a person we look down upon. This is a person we've never in our lives eaten a meal with, let alone touched. This is a person we wouldn't dream of living next to. His argument is that Christians too easily identify with the one who's doing the caring. But to put ourselves into the situation of the one who needs help puts us in a vulnerable place. And as we've seen before, we don't like to be vulnerable. And yet if we always identify with the one who is helping, we miss out on one of the most basic needs that we have, our need of God our need of total grace, love and acceptance from God. 
The more we're a doer and a helper and a sorter outer, the less we recognize the very needs that we have deep inside that only God can fulfill. And I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of doing and being so busy and looking out for others that I stop realizing my own need of God. I get into that Christian mode of I must do this, I must do that. And sometimes it's absolutely inevitable. Paul and I have had quite a difficult week. We, um, me, we moved his father um, into Sunrise on Monday. He's been living in Devon. His wife died two years ago and he's got the early stages of dementia. And working out when is the right time to move him into a place where he loses some of his independence has been really challenging. But with him, we realized that the time had come But it doesn't make it any easier when you move him in somewhere. He doesn't know anybody. He can't find his way to his room. And you're thinking, have we made a terrible mistake? So we've been caring all week and are exhausted, to be honest. And realizing that in order to be able to care for him, we need to look after ourselves as well. And actually being so vulnerable and recognizing that we can be honest and say, it's been a tough week, is good. And he's doing really, really well. I think we've had a harder week than he has, but that's often the way. It's like leaving your child at school for the first time. But how often am I in that mode of, yes, we've got to sort everything out. And it's only when things are so bad that you're on your knees thinking, my goodness me, I'm actually in as much need of help as he is. Because that's a hard place to be. It's a painful place to be. We want to be the Ruth's. We want to be the good Samaritan. And yet sometimes Jesus says, do you know what? You're the one in need more than anything. And it's from that place of need that you can then become the person of love and care. Because you have recognized in yourself what you need from God the Father. And it's from that place, rather than a place of a badge of, yes, I'm the Christian helper, It's from the place of being where the most needy person has been because I am that most needy person and I have known the love and grace and acceptance of Jesus and from that place I can do. Ruth didn't know God and yet God knew her. And even without recognizing God the Father, she was able to be the person that could be used by God because she was open to being that person. Yes, she helped. But I think she recognized her own needs too. Her own sadness. A widow at an early age. And maybe she needed Naomi as much as Naomi needed her. We don't know. But Sam Wells really made me think, where do I place myself in all these Bible stories? And I place myself in the one who's got it right rather than the one in need and actually I'm a child of God who is nothing without him and the more I recognize that the more he can make me strong strong as his child reliant on him living in full love grace and acceptance of everything that he has done for me so let's not worry about being the one in need. Let's embrace it and let's turn to God.
who provides us with everything and is loyal and steadfast to all our needs. Amen.